Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask the CEO with Avraham Gatile. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest. She is the Senior Vice President of Channels and Alliances at Sixtera Technologies, where she helps businesses migrate their mission-critical applications to the cloud. She is an award-winning executive with more than 25 years of experience in IT outsourcing, cloud, security, and SaaS industries. It is my pleasure to welcome Tina Gravel. Welcome, Tina. Hi, everybody. But first, let's congratulate Avraham for his 100th episode of Ask the CEO. That deserves, that deserves an applause. All right, now I'll come into the camera. I had to, had to make sure we celebrated this properly. Oh, for sure. I mean, 100 episodes is a very important and momentous milestone. It's awesome. It really is. You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, Tina, I'm so glad to be speaking to you today because, as you know, cloud is becoming more prevalent in the enterprise space uh, with companies migrating more of their mission-critical applications to the cloud. One of the more recent buzzwords permeating today's vernacular is hybrid cloud. What does hybrid cloud really mean? Well, it's interesting. If you had asked a few years ago, Hybrid cloud might have been, uh, oh, it's a, it's a couple of different clouds. It's AWS and Azure or something like that. What we mean at Sixtera and what most of the industry, I think, means by when they talk about hybrid cloud as the vernacular is hyperscale public cloud combined with a private cloud or combined with something else um, that may not be a hyperscale public cloud. Yeah, and you know, that really makes a lot of sense because I think in the real world, you, you're not going to have a one or the other. There's going to be some kind of a mix. That's right. That's right. It's almost impossible. Unless your company was born in the last 10 years, it's almost impossible to have everything you do in the cloud. It's a, um, you know, it's almost a fallacy that um, everything could be cloud first. And as such, many companies have popped up that specialize in helping with the journey to the cloud and, and helping companies figure out what can go, what should go, and what really shouldn't go to the cloud. Yeah, yeah. and that is a very important thing because um, you hear the word cloud all the time. It's this ubiquitous term, but when it comes down to, to the nuts and bolts, people aren't really familiar about what 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 is involved with a cloud migration yeah that that's true they're not familiar with it they think that all they have to do is push a button like on their phone <laughs> and then when it comes down to it no it's not like that i mean i i think executives understand that there's something involved with it but i don't think that they understand that once and and by the way i'm a big fan of the hyperscalers we have them as clients so um, but I don't think that they understand um, what workloads work best in a public cloud environment, um, how the billing works, what's entailed. Um, once you get in, if you're using the platforms, how easy or hard is it to migrate later? Uh, is, you know, that the security involved, all of these things come into play. I don't think that they're always considered. It seems like a big, easy button, and it's really not. And you know, one other thing that's a very critical requirement for mission-critical applications is the uptime. Uh, you know, you can't have a global bank just go offline during a stock trade. Um, yeah. 
So one of the inherent benefits of migrating to the cloud is this service level agreement where you can get guaranteed uptime. Um, so talking about that, many providers have this term called five nines of reliability, IBM, uh, just launched their new Z15 mainframe, which offers seven nines reliability. What do all these nines really mean? Well, that's kind of uh, wild because all this means is, is that if you're up all of the time, it's 100%. So 99.999 is very close to 100%. Seven nines is even closer. Uh, it's very simple. From the from my past, I mean, I have been in, in the outsourcing world for over 25 years, and we've called it many different things. We called it facilities management on the mainframe. We called it time sharing. Uh, that really ages me. We, um, we had client server managed hosting. Um, now we have cloud, which is an, another distributed shared um, aspect of computing, correct? So... Everybody, when they sign a contract, they want to get a service level agreement that gives, us, gives them the best uptime. The more nines you have, the more expensive it is. Okay? So that, therein lies the challenge. What can I afford to pay for? And, and what, you know, what do I really need? With, with AWS, let's pick on AWS for a second. AWS is a fine service, but you have to have, in order to truly run in a 100% uptime, you have to have several availability zones, you have to have things backed up a certain way. It's very complex and it's quite expensive. Not everybody needs that. Some people can stand to be down for a couple of hours, at the worst case, some four days, you know, it just depends. You have to look at your business, you have to look at your, you know, what we call the, um, you know, your business operations, what business continuity requirements you have, and then you have to engineer from there. And I'm sure you're familiar with this because it's coming from telecom. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad you say that because everybody wants the Cadillac. Everybody wants a hundred percent uptime. And this is one of the things that I love about what you do professionally is the way you educate people about what their options are because maybe you know the Chevy would would do the job for you and it won't uh, cost you a fortune. That's right. That's right. There's a there's always a cost versus risk versus need, you know, sort of uh, equation in everything that you do and um, you pay for what's most important to you. Right. The the interesting thing about cloud today is that, you know, we've been doing this now. I first got into cloud in 2007 when I was with Terramark. We had an enterprise cloud. Sixterra is made up of many of the same people as Terramark. And we have created something which is the uncloud with cloud like features. I call it the Netflix of Colo, because what it allows you to do is it allows you to push a button and receive cloud-like velocity with gear that's on-premise. The network is already, already fired up and ready to go. There's no 90 days waiting for the network. The hardware has been ordered and implemented. You can have that in a hyper-converged infrastructure, or you can have it on bare metal. But this isn't really cloud because we don't manage it. We allow you to have that for anything that really can't run in the cloud, 
or for things for business continuity's sake or whatever. It's very different. But the interesting thing about it and why I highlight it is not just to give you a commercial about what Sixter is doing, but more about the fact that what we want as in society is we want things to run this way. We want to be able to push a button and have what we want. And uh, traditional co-location hasn't changed in 30 years. That's why we built this portal. We built the console and, you know, we built, we built a system so that they could have a cloud-like uh, experience, if you will, in something that's really not cloud-like as yet. And that might be just that first step before that migration takes place. True. It's, it's one, again, what if what we started with, what's the best way to look at your environment, right? How do you define what should go to the cloud? What should go on premise? What should stay in your office? Maybe um, there are things that maybe you need to back up on a disc and take home. I don't think so, but some people do still do that. Right. Um, I can't decide for you what's best for your business. But what I can tell you are there are options that no one has heard of before, and this is one of them. It's only been around for about a year. But within a day, I can give you access to hardware and a network, and you can get going. You can put whatever, um, you can use VMware with it or any other um, virtualization software you want. You can put your own orchestration. It's cloud-like in terms of the velocity of getting access to it, but you can do whatever you want with it. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier around the specific security requirements, the specific backup requirements, the specific needs to be up. All of these things have to be engineered around and not everything is going to run in a multi-tenant environment or a hyperscale cloud. And so that's why this is a useful thing. And I think it's also, you know, IBM as well. We, we mentioned IBM. There are mainframes that are running just great today. There's no reason to move those things if they work and if it meets the business requirements. And I'm sure IBM has ways of making things go a lot faster on the mainframe than they did 30 years ago or 25 years ago when I worked with the mainframes. So, um, there's lots of options out there. It's not just what you hear about as far as the cloud being Microsoft, Amazon, or or Google. So, you know, you bring up a really good point. And let's take this one step further. It's no question that cloud is the way to go for many enterprises uh, that are launching brand new mission critical applications. However, in the real world, I know this from my telecom days and certainly from the from the cloud perspective, the playing field is not always so cut and dry. I mean, let's say, for example, one of your core business applications is a COBOL program, like you touched upon, you know, which resides on a dusty server in some backroom closet that nobody knows about, they've forgotten about, but it's chugging away over there uh, and stores its data in this huge flat file. So first of all, how do we even begin to cloud-enable this ancient application along with its archaic flat file. That's number one. And number two, even uh, an even bigger challenge is that for the last 55 years, 
nobody had to worry about cybersecurity. I mean, that thing was running in a closet. And even if they physically break into the company, I think they're going to leave that server alone. <laughs> they got more attractive things to steal. Now, suddenly, you put this ancient application onto the cloud, and you have some real worries to think about. Is it even worth it? Uh that is a big depends, right? Um, I personally would look at it and see if I could sunset it. Um, I would look at, there are so many solutions out there, software as a service for just virtually every business need, that there's probably uh, another program there. I had to sunset my old ACT database. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, yeah, everything's in Salesforce now, though, right? Um, I don't have to maintain that. I don't have to carry that around from job to job, back it up, all of those things, because Salesforce allows me to, to do that and to take my contacts with me if I need to. There are a lot of great solutions. When you talk about cybersecurity, however, um, the, the biggest issue we have is that everything is on this network, and most of the networks are public networks, right? We're, we may use um, a VPN or we may have a WAN, but um, if you're trusting me as a, a single person, my credentials are you saying that I'm the trusted person and these are golden, that's where you get into trouble because nobody really should be trusted anymore. Not because they're not worthy of it. They might be the finest people in the world, but our credentials get stolen. And then what happens is the nefarious individuals will lie in wait until they see the company jewels, and then they will break in. So I talk a lot about zero trust in, in my discussions with businesses. Zero trust is a, is a corporate posture that you would actually employ that would keep everybody considered to be blacklist, if you will, until they have the right security software, the right credentials, whatever, until you can prove they are who they are. And it sounds really complex. Like, how do you do that when somebody's when somebody is getting ready to access, let's say, a database online? But it's not that hard. We have technology at Sixtera called AppGate. There are a lot of companies that are beginning to do this now. But the first thing is to to get a posture that says nobody is trusted. Once you do that, then you can put up security and features that assume everybody is not who they are until they prove it. That contextual proving out is a thing that will keep you safe. And then, you know, all of the things that the cloud companies ask you to do, like for instance, AWS uses security groups. They use that as a way to define who should have access to what. It's not foolproof, but it's again, a way of characterizing the individuals. So Tina Gravel may not need to see the finance system in her role. She may only need to see, let's say, the manufacturing system or the database, you know, or the Salesforce system. It's a way of looking at the individuals and what they're going to do and then making sure that they only have access to what they need to. Because then if someone still gets your credentials, you only see what you're allowed to see. The, the nefarious individual can't lie in wait and move laterally. Um, so you also asked me about specific security with regard to the cloud. And the last thing I want to say is that is that there, there are things that you can do in, in the clouds. Our software that I mentioned works with AWS Azure as well as on-premise. But it, it's, 
it's more than that. It takes a village. You can't just protect, you know, at that level, you have to use firewalls. You have to use, you have to consider um, DDoS attacks on your network. It's a, it's a full range of security solutions. There isn't one vendor that can do everything for you and there isn't one solution. So if you're going to go to the cloud, be very mindful of the different ways that you can, you can secure yourself as a business and make sure that only the folks that absolutely have to get to those servers, you know, have access to them. What I really like about what you're saying is that cybersecurity is not about the technology. It's not about, or not just about the technology, the AI or, uh, you know, all these different systems working together. There's also a, a, that human element. There's a process that you need to institute there's a culture that needs to be disseminated from the CEO level down that, hey, we need to employ more common sense. We can't give everybody the master credentials. There's so many different pieces that play into cybersecurity. I would like to see us the same way that we train our children to um, you know, not talk to strangers, to lock doors, um, to not go with strangers. I mean, I'd like to see that cyber hygiene is taught at a very young age because our children are accessing the internet now. They're accessing through their phone. I know you have little ones and you have some very bright little ones as I've seen one of them works with you from time to time. All of these, all of these access points can get us into trouble and can get them into trouble. And they may not realize when the nice individual is contacting them that this is not a nice person, right? Really, this is somebody behind the scenes. This isn't your grandmother talking to you, right? Yeah, you need to teach them how to develop those cyber street smarts. Yes, yes, perfect. That's a perfect way to say it. So Tina, how do people connect with you? Oh, they can connect with me at uh, Tina Gravel, my handle on Twitter, or they can contact me at tina.gravel at sixtera.com. I also have a website, tinagravel.com. There's lots of ways that, uh, that I can be reached and I want to hear from everybody. Awesome. And I'll post that to the show notes so people can just click on that and get right to you. Tina, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience? The best thing that I, I think I've learned um, in my you know, long career um, is something that a guy named Mike Schiff um, was my boss at Data Return shared with me. And it's really about com- controlling your own emotions and understanding the issues around you. And it's very simple. He said, uh, nothing is ever as bad or as good as we think it is. So when things are bad, no, it's going to change. Um, and when things are good, no, it's going to change. And don't ride too high or too low because it really doesn't make sense. Um, try to manage yourself and manage your reactions to things. It's very, very, very brilliant words uh, from him about 20 years ago. Yeah, I love that. Tina, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Well, thank you for having me. You're a tremendous gift to us in, uh, in, in the world of podcasts and videocasts and, uh, Keep going, you go, you go, Avon.